and welcome to this Expert Insights audio CD. I'm Donna Hanson from Prime Solutions Training. Our Expert Insights CD series is designed to provide access to the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approach that impact on how teams, individuals and organisations productivity. Today in our Expert Insights session, we're speaking with Lisa Wren. Lisa's going to talk with us about how we can ensure we're healthy, happy, and so are our staff. First of all, let me start out by giving you a little bit of background on Lisa. Lisa's an accredited practicing dietitian and an accredited nutritionalist, I had to say that very slowly, with over 13 years experience in community health and private practice. She's a media spokesperson for the Dietitians Association of Australia and is committed to providing her clients with accurate and practical information on nutrition and lifestyle to help them live their potential. She's made appearances on TV including Channel 9's What's Good For You and A Current Affair. So with so much talk about obesity, health and wellness in Australia, I thought it would be great to chat with Lisa to find out how our own and our employees' health should be our number one priority. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks, Donna. Good to be here. Well, Lisa, let's start out the conversation by getting to know you a little more. Tell us how you came to become a dietitian. Well, that, an interesting journey, Lisa. Phys ed and maths teacher, I could see how uh, the connection might come between particularly the phys ed and, and dietetics. Uh, you know, there's an interesting relationship there. And I think, uh, you know, no doubt a lot of our listeners are parents and and uh, recognise the importance of physical activity for their kids but uh, don't always um, apply the same rules to ourselves. I know that there's, uh, there's days uh, like today, the day we're recording, it's uh, absolutely bucketing down with rain where you just can't be bothered getting out of bed and you really got to push yourself and you know watch what your intake is in in this sort of environment because once it gets cold and dark people tend to feel uh, like they're looking for comfort food and all, all that sort of stuff so we'll explore this a bit more but thank you thank you very much can you tell me now what's the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionalist because as a lay person looking from the outside in you know to me are they the same there, there isn't. There's, they are the same, but there's a subtle difference. So, a dietitian can call themselves a dietitian or a nutritionist. So that makes it easier to say rather than the nutritionalist. I agree. That's a mouthful. <laughs> so, a dietitian or a nutritionist. So, the Dietitians Association um, has an accredited an accreditation program, and you can't be a member of the Dietitians Association unless you have done a four either a four year. Um, undergraduate or a two-year postgraduate master's. So they are university-trained dietitians. A dietitian is also allowed to call themselves a nutritionist. If and the, and the reason they might is because that may may it make it sound a little bit like the public may recognise that as a term that they're perhaps happier working with than a dietitian. So those two are the same. However, if you are a nutritionist. Basically, anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. They don't have to have a, um, a university background to that. They may have just done a short period of study or they may have done no study at all. So you won't see someone call themselves an accredited nutritionist unless they are also a dietitian. So 
you can it, it, that's the choice so if it's just nutritionists with no other qualifications then they're not university trained and I guess they are, they would not be eligible for member membership of the Dietitians Association of Australia and therefore may not be dealing in evidence-based nutrition information mm, that's that's an interesting um, uh, differentiation between mm. the two and it provides great clarity so I, I guess um, you know the the thing to watch out for for our listeners is if you're looking for any of these types of services and you're after somebody that has um, you know the the uh, experiential and the theoretical knowledge then you're definitely looking for somebody who's um, uh, got you know, who's a dietitian an accredited mm-hmm. dietitian um, but they they as you said the word new nutritionalist uh, is a little um, more comfortable and and less clinical, I guess, than the word dietitian. Um, so thanks so much for that interesting um, definition for us. So Lisa, why do you think there's such a focus on health and wellness these days? So I guess as we learn more about chronic diseases, things like heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, and how we we need to prevent and manage them, so the role of lifestyle, that is what we eat and the exercise we do, really becomes quite screamingly apparent. I mean, people know that, that in order to prevent these things, they should be looking at their food choices and exercising, but the question, I guess, is are they really doing it? So there's an understanding of what needs to be done Mm -hmm. and that can actually create pressure and anxiety for people because that constant shooting and musting around exercise and diet sometimes creates a bit of tension and guilt and frustration. So the actual focus is on health and wellness but the actual not doing of it is actually the bigger problem because we know that you know over 60% of our adult population is is overweight uh, so you know if everybody was doing it and, and focusing on it perhaps it wouldn't be such a big problem so i guess we waste a lot of time thinking about what we should be doing for our health instead of actually doing it so that's a waste of precious time and headspace it was interesting i um carried out a survey of employees and asked It was just a simple question. If they were distracted by what they weren't doing about their health or weight in their day, so as they went through their normal working day, did they ever get distracted by thinking, oh, I should should have gone for that walk or I shouldn't have eaten that? And overwhelmingly, the majority said yes. So staff are at work and sometimes getting distracted by, by what they're not doing about their health. Mm, that can really impact on their productivity too because if people are feeling bad, um, then, you know, they're not giving their best to to the work that they're doing every day. And, you know, mentally I'm guessing uh, health and wellness also impacts on your, your mental state, not only from, you know, the endorphins and, and that sort of stuff, but, uh, yeah, just how much you're able to mentally and physically commit to work. Yeah, yeah. If you if you've got distractions in your head, it's really hard to be focusing on what you're supposed to be doing. So there's a definite decrease in productivity. So I think in summary, what you're really saying is rather than uh, you know punishing self ourselves for what we're not doing and why we should be exercising and you know how I really wanted to go for that walk this morning or go to the gym before work, but I never got there. Rather than beating yourself up about it, uh, maybe we should all take on the old Nike adage and just do mm-hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. That certainly is the easier way, but uh, sometimes human nature gets in the way, and I guess that's the part that I, I, I find 
is the most rewarding about my work is, is helping people to actually to actually cut through all the emotional stuff and to just do it absolutely so why do you think the the focus and health and wellness etc is so important to people in business yeah. Well, if, if people are actually worried about their health, so they may be, as we were saying, distracted or anxious. So really, how much innovative thought can occur in that mind? So we sort of, we, we, in business, we ask our staff and ask ourselves to be, to be on the ball all the time, to be highly productive and innovating. But innovation requires clarity, and you don't get a clear head if you have a lot of unchecked items on your health to-do list. So if, if people are low in energy or in pain due to chronic back issues, they're not going to be able to work as efficiently and will definitely be having more sick days. So it's, you know, businesses are now downsizing. They're not actually expanding. So existing staff are being asked to work a lot harder. So stress levels increase. And basically there's also often a corresponding decrease in job satisfaction. And this all impacts on productivity. So having a focus on health, health and well-being really helps people a feel like that their employer cares about them and it also ticks their own personal to-do list in those health that health checklist so it really does it's just to a total win-win situation yeah look i think you're right it's it's so hard to balance the long work hours and our health and and certainly um you know we we need to be energized and and so forth and i know that as we, we talk a little more, um, we'll, we'll no doubt share some ideas and experiences that our listeners can actually apply for themselves to help their teams and, and to help their business as a whole. Now, Lisa, I'm often hearing the buzzwords because I, I work a lot in uh, HR and, uh, you know, with sales teams and um, finance areas where a lot of people are sedentary, sitting in chairs, uh, you know, driving in cars, etc. And I'm often hearing the buzzwords that that are corporate wellness or corporate wellness programs do you are you able to give us some insight on what these are and and how the businesses benefit as a result mm, yeah absolutely so corporate wellness programs are simply programs within the the business that focus on employee wellness which is health from both a mental and physical health. So mental health, obviously, with the stress, managing stress, stress levels, depression and anxiety, and the physical health um, and well-being, obviously, being what people eat and, and how they um, much they exercise, assisting people with smoking cessation. So these are things that really focus on employee health and, and the benefits to the, both employees and the business are, are quite immense. So the corporate wellness programs are bigger in countries that are responsible for their, their for their employees' health programs and insurance, health insurance like the US. Mm -hmm. However, some smart companies in Australia are actually discovering that a focus on their staff health, it not only benefits staff health, but really does have those big rewards for the business. So we think that given the average person spends seven or eight hours a day in the workplace, um, being supported to focus on and to actually action your health at work can really have some, some great benefits. And, and what we know is from um, recent Vic Health data was released following the um, Victorian work health checks that have occurred over the last five years. Mm -hmm. And it did show that our workforce has some health issues. So things like 30% of males 
at a, at a high risk for developing type 2 diabetes and 17% of females. That's one in three males. 27% of workers have high cholesterol and 32% of males had high blood pressure and half that half the females, 16% of the females had um, high blood pressure. And as I said earlier, that 60% of Australian adults are actually overweight so that's that's kind of like the downside but the good news is that the data also projected that employee or corporate wellness programs would actually reduce absenteeism by 11 to 15 percent it would reduce the compensable injury by up to five percent and it would improve presenteeism by three to five percent that means that your workers are at work more and working more productively when they are there so they're less likely to get distracted like I was talking about before. And the other research that has shown when they're actually um, researching specific programs show that businesses that have employed these programs enjoy improvements in employee morale. They have increased employee loyalty because what they find is that once once the, the staff member knows that the business cares about them, they, there is a natural increase in loyalty. Wow, they're, they're actually not only concerned about making money, they're concerned about me and I appreciate that. So are more likely to stay. So that, of course, reduces costs in hiring staff and training staff. There was less organisational conflict, so more engagement, mm. more productive workforce and improved employee decision-making ability. So it's it's comes out to some amazing stuff that companies effectively running these programs, and I guess effectively is the key word here, had two and a half times the improved employee performance, eight times employee engagement, and three and a half times higher innovation and creativity on the job. So seriously, who wouldn't want that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the key here is it's it's very, very easy, and I'm sure you would have seen this as well, it's very, very easy for organisations to go, oh, oh, we don't need that here, or that doesn't apply to us. You know, we've got a fit and healthy young workforce even. Um, yeah. But, you know, what ends up happening is... is you know, something happens, one person is sick, it goes all the way through the office and, and ultimately they have to do something. So I guess what we're looking at here is mechanisms where we can be proactive and preventative rather than um, looking for solutions and, and um, a way to solve a problem. We headed off at the pass and it has the benefits of, of all the things that uh, you've elaborated on. And, you know, I'll, I'll draw on a bit of experience and I know that listeners who've perhaps um, uh, listened to uh, the Expert Insights CDs series before will have heard me um, mention on a number of occasions uh, uh, the fact that um, my husband had a, uh, a back injury and uh, it was a, um, a bulging disc and he went to this surgeon and the surgeon said, um, yep, know exactly what it is, we've just got to shave this piece off, off your back but you're going to be bedridden for probably six to eight weeks uh, and he said, this is the injury of the future the injury of the future because you know we're a generation now more than ever is totally absorbed in sitting in front of a computer doing our day-to-day -day work you know we've we've heard all the stories about how you should get up and walk around for five minutes every hour or so but it's very difficult when you're in an environment where uh, you know the, the workload is so heavy and you're so busy you've got all these things to do and only a certain number of hours in the day 
day and conflicting priorities. So, um, you know, we need to be mindful of those sorts of things because that in particular is, uh, combine that with obesity, you know, all of these health issues are growing and growing and cancers and, you know, it's, it's really quite scary the number of, um, the number of diseases that, uh, that, you know, humans can can contract or can be exposed to as a result of stresses or inactivity absolutely donna if i can also just say that you know often big businesses look at that looking at employee health as the soft option but you know we've got research that says there are hard economic outcomes and benefits for putting time um, and effort into these type of programs to improve employee health and we know that from the from the work health data that, that people aren't as well. They're functioning, but are they functioning as well as they could? And what is around the corner in regards to their health? Well, I guess we've we've talked about a lot of the, you know, the downside, all the negative sort of stuff, but we've also backed it up with some statistics to support why we don't want to be like that. Let's let's now talk about, you know, or have a conversation around some, some quick tips uh, our listeners could do to improve their own personal health and the health of their teams. What are some mm-hmm. things that you've seen people do in organisations? Yeah, look, I guess it's um, from as far as organisations, I, I can I can talk about that, but I wouldn't mind talking about too what they can do to improve their personal health. So I guess eating breakfast is oh. really the most important thing. And so many people that I come across, particularly people wanting to lose weight, don't eat breakfast or they don't have time in their morning routine to eat breakfast. And it really is the most important thing for, for maintaining and losing weight because it kickstarts your metabolism. So I would strongly encourage, you know, it's a bit tricky sometimes for employee, employee, employers to make sure their employees are eating breakfast, but it is something that certainly that, that people should be looking at for themselves. And, and that, that comes in with an education component for staff. You know, it's an important meal of the day. And perhaps if they, in the business, if they do start really early, that it might be a time that they could come together and, and actually actually eat together. So another one that's really important is to take your lunch from home as often as you can and make sure you make time to eat it because from one thing I do know from talking to business people is that oftentimes they don't take their own lunch so they're buying takeaway, um, grabbing a quick bite to eat if they're grabbing anything at all Um, and sometimes it's like I just don't have time to eat it, you know maybe I might get to it at two o'clock in the afternoon, maybe I won't get to it at all and again from that point of view of managing your weight, um, and which which has so many, you know, weight, you know, being overweight, carrying extra weight has so many implications for for things like heart disease and diabetes, but also the back pain that you're mentioning before, Donna. These things that are that really impact on people's quality of life. So it's not only that personal. Um, impact but you know clearly it has impact for the business if this person is unwell and can't be at work so the managing your weight by eating breakfast trying to take lunch from home because it will be lower in calories it will be lower in saturated fat and it will be lower in salt than anything that you can buy outside the home so taking lunch from home and making sure you have time to eat it certainly um Carmen's, um, the, the, mm. the health bars, the muesli bars, they, they, they have a program for, well, in, in this, a system basically within their work day is that you down tools at 12.30 and the whole, all the staff 
sit down to eat. And in fact, I think it goes even more on from that, that, that if they have bought stuff from home that needs to be heated, that they have someone who comes in, heats their lunch, sit down and basically prevent, presents their lunch to them. So it is a time where this is an important thing for staff to do, to have time to eat lunch. So there's time is made within that the business day for that to happen. I'd so like that, to that. explore that a little a little further, Lisa. Um, yeah. I know that um, uh, a lot of our listeners um, may be in, in businesses where there are cafeterias um, on premises or maybe there's coffee shops and, and so forth nearby. And I think you're quite right that um, a lot of those um, a lot of those takeaway options are, really aren't uh, as nutritious. Um, I, I know that uh, a year or so ago I was in the US and I uh, went on a tour with a company called Zappos who are known for their customer service as well as customer engagement. And, um, you know, one of the things that what you've mentioned reminds me of is the fact that um, Zappos uh, actually have a, a rotating menu. So, you know, they serve breakfast, lunch and dinner in their cafeteria and they encourage staff to go down there and interact with each other and take some time to recharge and re-energise, even if you're only going down. And I know even, you know, with a family meal at home, you could spend anything from, say, you know, uh, five, ten minutes if you're just having a quick sandwich through to, you know, an hour or so. So it doesn't need to be an hour because a lot of people are going, I just can't afford that time. But the actual um, boost, the, the the food, the, the correct food, the appropriate food, food that's going to provide you with the mental fuel and the physical fuel you need to get through the remainder of the day, um, you really need to be sitting just... Um, savoring the food rather than eating for the sake of eating and that's where we end up with a lot of that mindless eating so um, this company Zappos uh, have their cafeteria and all the food is free wow the only yeah. thing that staff have to pay for is red bull <laughs> I'm not quite, I can't quite remember what the logic was in that but there were there were healthy food choices and, you know, it was going a little down that Jamie Oliver path that he did with the school dinners where, uh, you know, he wanted to bring in the nutritious stuff and they were just concerned about the dollar cost. Um, so, you know, organisations are starting to look at these things and going, uh, it's not about a dollar cost, it's about the return on investment. And in a lot of instances, they're even outsourcing that to third parties to actually deliver those catering services on their behalf at a, a subsidised rate, which, you know, staff are, are happy to pay for. And I've been in many an organisation where, where that's happened. So, um, uh, you know, I think that's that sort of thing's... Um, Excellent. The more an organisation can provide to encourage that, the better. Mm, absolutely. And I guess even even to say that we, we value your time and appreciate that you need time to eat. I mean, I think some people mm. don't stop because they just feel that pressure that no one else is stopping and that I haven't got time to stop. And yeah. so it, it really, you know, if the organisation is saying, hey, you know what, we, we know you're not robots. You can stop, and particularly if they're providing healthy food, then that's brilliant. But even if you're not, it's important to be providing time for people to eat and saying, you know what, we know you're going to work better once you've had a break. And as you said, Donna, it doesn't have to be the hour break. I mean, it can be 20 minutes. It's all it takes to really sit down and eat a sandwich and have a cup of tea, recharge your batteries, and off you go again, and you'll be working better in the afternoon than if you just slogged on through. Absolutely.
So another, I guess, when we're looking at two or three quick tips, um, the um, the idea of building activity into your day, and sometimes that gets quite tricky. And I know here we've just uh, switched back, so there's no more daylight savings. So it's potentially dark when you get up and dark when you get home, which does kind of make it really difficult to add the activity in to your own private time. So being able to get that activity into your day um, as part of uh, as part of your, your work day, that, that's actually quite a bonus. So it could mean, you know, that you're walking um, an extra block or getting off the bus or getting off the train or parking your car further away and walking a bit further to and from work. It could be that if you do take a lunch break and, and, and your workforce supports that, that you get to go for a, a, a walk at lunchtime. I know that one of the places that I have worked, they actually allow staff, they probably give staff 15 minutes um, so that you can give 15 minutes of your own lunch break. They will give you 15 minutes as well so that you can go for a half hour walk at lunchtime and then have 15 minutes still um, to eat your lunch. So that, that sort of program helps people to actually build the activity into your day. And as you were saying earlier, Donna, you know, trying to get up, having five minutes of moving around time um, rather than just sitting down the whole time. So it may even well be, instead of sending an email, getting up and walking to see that person if they're in the building. Mm. Um, you know, if you need to go to a printer, then sort of doing the jobs, even though it may seem less productive, doing them one at a, not, not each page one at a time, but, you know, if they've got a number of jobs, spreading them out over the day so that you can be having just a short walks is, is going to be so much better than just sitting down. So it's, it's really really easy to just keep on going like you've always done and just to be saying oh you know I just don't have time in my day for this and it's make, causing me guilt and frustration but you know the idea is that you really need to prioritize that work-life balance because work all too easily takes over everything. I was talking to a, a business owner the other day and he's like you know I, I'm just flat out working and I really want to prioritize you know this work-life balance I need to get active but he hadn't he hadn't actually embedded or had a look or thought what that might look like for himself. So he was just in a state of, oh, I know this needs to happen, but I just can't see how it's going to. And so probably it won't. So certainly often people need someone else coming in to say, you know, okay, let's sit down and nut out how this is going to work. Because if you keep going how you've always gone, then nothing's actually going to change at all. And I guess following on further from that, um, you know, I've seen in a lot of organisations that uh, that I'm working with, uh, there's things like uh, gymnasiums. So some larger organisations will have gym access or like they'll have an on-premises on gym or they'll have a relationship with one of the major chains where staff can actually get discounted memberships. And I know uh, Zappos in the US do the same thing. They offer, you know, they have offer subsidised gym, dry cleaning, all those sorts of things where people go, oh, they're stressful. As, far, uh, as part of my day, things that I've got to do. But we're seeing gyms, you know, I guess organisations could even start up um, activity groups like walking groups or running group at, at lunchtime. Most organisations have some sort of change room facilities where, you know, people can shower or, or whatever. And, and I, I also know of uh, a number of companies that go around and do yoga or meditation uh, at lunchtime, all of those sorts of things, you know, just taking a, a bit of uh, calm and peace and tranquility and, and uh, bringing that into the day, um, I think 
you know, other things that uh, that people can think about. And, you know, certainly our listeners from an individual perspective, uh, you know, certainly a lunchtime walk is fantastic or yoga, but finding something that resonates with you and that is um, easy to maintain and something you have to enjoy it and you know you hear so many people saying I don't enjoy exercise but um, when you find something that you like to do you just need to um, hone in on that and um, and capitalize now um, elaborating on on some of the things you can do talk to me about water yeah, look, certainly water sort of rounds off the, the eating well and the exercise in your day. So it is, it's certainly a really important part of, of health is, is drinking water and certainly fluid. Now, I guess the good news is that you can include your teas and coffees as fluid, but it's also important that, that you get some water in there as well. So water can, as obviously calorie free and that's that's the bonus of it a cup of tea would be calorie free but if you're talking about lattes and chais and cappuccinos <laughs> they make a fantastic snack but if you're having a number of them throughout the day the all milk coffees then that that could be problematic for your weight so this is where water can actually come in as a quite important way of getting the fluid in without the calories um, so it is about habits, though. Like everything else, it's about habits. So people often say, you know, I have five or six cups of coffee a day, just the instant stuff. So, you know, not so calorie laden. So that's okay from a weight perspective. Um, but it's it's probably a good idea to maybe cut that back down back to three or four. And some of the strategies may be that you have a cup of coffee and you follow it up with a glass of water. And then your next cup of coffee comes in and you follow it up with a glass of water. Or maybe you say, I've got to have two glasses of water in between each coffee. So it's about setting a plan for yourself to drink water. Certainly, I walk around and every all day, every day, and I've got a, carrying a bottle of water with me. And I think um, that's you know, it's got to be there. You've got to have the water there. It can't be just like, oh yeah, it's in the tap in the kitchen or it's in the fridge because you can't be easy to access because it can be an excellent way of managing appetite. It's certainly fluid is really important for for your digestive and bowel health and bowel regularity. That fluid comes in is really important. So it definitely uh, ticks a lot of nutrition boxes and it's quite easy, uh, easy to access, thank goodness for us. And, and it's, yeah, it's a lot cheaper too. So there's lots of win-wins with water, but you can't expect that you're just going to drink more water um, just because you want to. Having a jug of cold water in the fridge, having a two-litre jug on your desk that you work your way through during the day. And I guess sometimes people are concerned that if they've got water, it means that they've got to go to the toilet more frequently. So my, my tip here is to sip on water rather than sculling it, and then you'll be <laughs> able to manage your bladder better. So, yeah, the water is definitely important. Well, Lisa, you know, our time together is quickly coming to an end. I'm, I'm sure you're convinced I could probably have a conversation for hours and it sounds <laughs> like, uh, you know, with your depth of knowledge, it, it's probably much the same. Um, it's sort of let's, let's just start thinking about as an, an organisation, what are some simple things that could be introduced into the workplace to, to aid employee health and wellbeing? And I know we've touched on some of those, but I guess I want to pull that all back together and, and just sort of summarise what, what what can we put in as an organisation that would start making a move towards uh, employee health and well-being as a as an I guess an issue that uh, is top of mind within a business? 
Yeah. Well, as you said, Donna, you'd mentioned before that some people have gyms at work. Some people talk about um, subsidised um, gym memberships or even paying for their staff to have a gym membership. I know you told me that Zappos has a life coach, so that's actually helping people to implement that sort of thing. I, um, one of the councils um, in Melbourne here has a part-time physio on staff that actually helps to prevent those back issues. So that's sort of some potentially some bigger business ideas, but smaller to medium businesses can also sort of focus on staff health by getting in people who are experts. But I guess a word of warning there in that, you know, one-off um, lectures are really not going to hit the spot for long-term sustainable change. Mm. There needs to be systems in place. So Good no point. one changes from one single lecture. Um, so, you know, things, really things that they can build in to um, their workplace, things like standing desks. So I know that... Um, Often offices have the hot desks which you can stand up and, and move around for. One of the places I work in has um, the actual standing desk so that your monitor, you can raise the monitor up and stand up for a while and then you can raise it back down if you're wanting to sit. Um, walking meetings are a really interesting thing. You've got to have a meeting that's more of a discussion and doesn't need too many notes or audio-visual requirements and it's just with a couple of people. Then going for a walk and chatting and, and having that meeting walking is also a really innovative way of moving around and getting moving into your work day. So also if you have um, agendered standing times in the meeting, so it could be that for one particular agenda item that people stand up. It just, it seems a little weird. However, it's, you know, change is what it's all about. And so just thinking about going, hang on, we could actually stand up during this particular update uh, in, in the meeting. And then we sit down again. Um, looking at ca healthier catering options. A, if you've got the cafe or the canteen on site, but also if you're getting food in for a morning tea or food in for a lunch or an evening event, to be thinking about how can we make this having at least some healthier choices there. And, and if you've got any vending machines, there are certainly, you know, choices of what you can have in those. And I saw one the other day which was purely focused on healthier choices, which was, was, was great. So there are things that... that different sized businesses can do um, to support it but I think the effective ones are where there are systems in place so that it's ongoing. I know that just a one-off exposure to a yoga expert or um, or a dietitian or, or a physio or an exercise physiologist, one-off exposure is really not going to yeah. help at all. It, it may educate slightly but you won't get behaviour change and it won't start creating a different culture in the workplace so I, that ongoing i guess you know in in that respect you better have some something you're better having something like a, a dietitian come in to frame up what the business is doing but have a strategic plan that might incorporate you know uh, encouraging uh, things like um, bring your lunch to work day you know where maybe Friday is the day of the week that if traditionally everybody's gone out for lunch you know you bring your lunch into work or um, and, and that there's some criteria set around that or I know that um, um, some of our clients uh, who'll be no doubt listening to this CD um, have fruit boxes available in all the lunchrooms so they get a weekly delivery of a fruit box and when you yeah. think about it some of those fruit boxes only cost you know 40 or 50 dollars for a week's worth of fruit and what you're doing there is you're saying to your your staff look we want you to be fit we want you to be healthy 
and maybe even having you know theme days where you know staff go out and uh, go for a walk or you know there, there's some sort of cause or, or something that they're working towards or I know that um, here in Melbourne and I'm not I'm not sure if it's a national event but they have corporate games where you know a lot of corporations big and smaller work together and build teams that might be involved in running or they might be involved in basketball or they might be involved in soccer for example and all of these you know also have the added advantage I guess of being team building activities as well as mechanisms for staff to disconnect from the stress and to engage in some physical activity yeah absolutely they're all wonderful ideas and it, it just you know it, it just shows that you can fit things into the business structure you know and it does take sometimes you know someone from the outside looking in to sort of say look this is what you could do and here's some ideas and you know the whole idea of getting staff together at lunch on a Friday is fantastic I mean people can if you work out what you're going to eat it's like everyone brings different ingredients and you share the meal so it still becomes that that different experience but but you know that and that's a team building activity absolutely, in itself absolutely yeah. so those sort of things you know can combine two interests of the business can't they two or more you know it, and it's just so simple to do and some of those things don't require any input from the employer they just require some proactivity in saying this is what we're going to do and and engaging with the business and saying hey you know we want to help you be uh the best person you can be when you're here yeah yeah absolutely now i know lisa we're we're desperately desperately running out of time and um i i want to let you go and and get on with your day um the final question i wanted to ask you is let's just say an organization is interested in in you know working with or creating their own corporate wellness plan i think um you know we've talked about a number of things that they can do but do they really need to have any particular expertise to be able to activate a program within the workplace? Look, I guess that the, the answer would be yes or no, depending on who who was part of your employer, like who was on staff. So I guess there's probably not likely to be a dietitian on staff unless it's a health organisation. Um, so I think it's, you know, getting having access to that expert expert advice is quite an important starting point um, because if you want to do something you're wanting to get it get it taken off on the right track um, and certainly if you're talking about weight loss for employees it is important to have that ongoing you know expertise those touch points along the way um, the, the important thing that you do need within the organization is certainly support from from the high management so that definitely needs to be coming through as a as a priority from the very top level and also a champion within the business that that helps to 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 keep the momentum running um and to potentially organize the the experts that you may need to come in and give you some advice on on how to help you know how to help get things that are that are really systems based so that it's actually the, the, there is a change in the culture it's not just an experiential thing of oh yes now I see what a physio does or now I know you know how to eat healthy it's about putting things in place that actually support those changes so you know that has to have someone running that in order for it to be a long-term thing so that could be within the organization if you had a, a champion that was going to be standing up and and running that or it may be someone from the outside okay so look 
huge. Amazing insights and information and, and no doubt there's probably going to be uh, uh, a lot of our listeners who want to find out more information, maybe get you to come in and have a chat with them about mm. how you might be able to help them set up a strategy or a program that they can then implement within their organisation and, and reap the, the benefits that we've, we've talked about uh, having a healthy, active and, and um, engaged workforce has to productivity. So how is the best way for any of our listeners to get in contact with you, Lisa? Yeah, look, certainly through my website is, is probably the easiest. So it's Body Warfare. So www.bodywarfare, all one word, so dot com. W-A-R-E-F-A-R-E. That's right, yes. Yes, body warfare. People often think it's welfare, but it's actually warfare because I think there is a battle that goes on when we talk about changing health and it's about overcoming that. So so it's body warfare nutrition, www.bodywarfare.com.au. Um, yeah, there's, a, in, there's an email contact from that page and my mobile number is also on there, but that is 0413. 956-107 if anyone wants to get in touch I'm really happy to come and have a meeting and, and see how, how I can help in the business but in the meantime if people um, want to sign up to my newsletter from, from my website I'm really happy for your Prime Solution clients to, um, to sign up and receive a fortnightly email and anything that they find useful I'm very happy for them to pass on to staff to start that education process on what healthy eating looks like Fantastic. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time today and for your insights on workplace health and well-being. And listeners, thank you for joining us for this Expert Insights CD. I hope you've enjoyed uh, our expert today, Lisa Wren. For more information on Prime Solutions training and consulting in our services, visit our website, the three W's, primesolutions.net.au. Until next time, this is Donna Hanson of Prime Solutions, helping you work smarter and not harder with technology. Bye for now.